We've all heard of women's intuition, right? Well, men have intuition as well. Intuition is so important when it comes to feeding ourselves and our families in our challenging food environment. This podcast explores a variety of topics related to a powerful, evidence-based eating framework called intuitive eating that integrates instinct, emotion, and rational thought. My hope is that it will help you finally break free of the perpetual diet cycle. This is the Men's Intuition Podcast. All right, and welcome back to another episode of the Men's Intuition Podcast. Uh, Today, I am here with a very special guest, Johnny Landles. He is a certified health coach who's sick of diets. He uses a blend of intuitive eating, counseling, motivational interviewing, and cognitive behavioral therapy to help his clients leave dieting behind and live life to the max. And I love that description. And I'm excited to have Johnny on. I've been uh, wanting to get him on for a while, and I just kept just getting sidetracked. And I don't, I don't know why, because he's one of my favorite people uh, on the internet. And actually, while he lives in the UK, we we have met in person and we hung out a little bit uh, when I was over there back in 2019, right before COVID hit. And so mm-hmm. we have actually met face to face and had some conversations and uh, and talk regularly about this stuff, which has been really good to have another person, another guy to bounce these ideas, these concepts off, to work through different things that, you know, we both sometimes we we are thinking through a particular issue and wondering how we might address it and all those kinds of things. So anyway, without any further ado, uh, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And uh, I'm glad that you liked the little intro that uh, I, I sent through. It's great yeah. to be here. Yeah, well, why don't you tell us a, a little bit uh, about yourself, the the work that you do, and kind of why you do what you do. Yeah, so I mean, <clears throat> you know, as my as my short introduction stated, mm-hmm. I definitely work uh, more towards a weight neutral, intuitive eating standpoint. Now, I'm not a fully certified intuitive eating counselor, although I'm taking the steps necessary to gain that accreditation alongside the, the ones that I already have. It kind of feels like a never ending journey of accreditations but when yeah. you're working in a, in a but it's the same as if you saw your doctor or dentist you know you'd want them to be up to date with the latest materials and research and yeah i think that health coaching is exactly the same as that you know so i don't see an issue with doing a certification pretty much every year it, it, it probably with the different ones yeah. um and i you know i combine that with a huge expertise in terms of exercise design, functional fitness, um, which I provide to my clients and as well as a a dose of counseling effectively, because I Mm -hmm. I did a sort of mini, mini diploma in CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy for listeners who might not be aware of what the acronym stands for. And that's about it really. You know, I work one-to-one with clients. I'm uh, in the middle of compiling maybe a new kind of group idea and just sort of testing the waters mm-hmm. in terms of the formatting of that and, you know, going through some conversations with individuals about that idea. Um, and outside of work, you know, I like to, uh, I like to exercise. I like to play sport. I like to do musical theater. I like to mm-hmm. watch TV, walk my dogs and, and generally just live a normal lifestyle. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, if if you aren't following uh, Johnny on uh, Instagram yet, you definitely would want to do that. I would highly encourage that. But you will often see him uh, singing on there, which is kind of cool. And so uh, 
that's that's always fun when he when he posts something with with him singing. He does have a good voice, by the way, too. It's not uh, <laughs> not like some people <laughs> who sing on Instagram. But, uh, yeah, well, you know, we we met while going through the same nutrition training program, one of those certifications that you mentioned, and that's that's how we got to know each other. And and there was some excellent info that was related to nutrition science and how different nutrients impact the body, and of course, you know, how to help people lose weight. That was definitely a, a key component of that program, uh, which I think is really a key component of just about every program. And that's yeah. the, the key component of re- being a registered dietitian. And so mm-hmm. any of these qualifications other than like the intuitive eating certification seem to focus around that, that weight centered mm-hmm. approach, uh, regardless of how gentle the approach might be, because, you know, we certainly were encouraged to take the needs of the individual into consideration and and not force anything on anyone so it certainly wasn't like do this and you know everything was about that but uh, again at the core it was kind of this weight centered approach how have yeah. you changed in the way that you coach people prior to cuz you were coaching prior to that and then also immediately following that training and now <coughs> yeah good question because you're right in that a lot of nutrition education is very weight centric and that's just because of the way our health system and and nations are set up right like yours and mine the us and uk the what we call the western population seem to have more of a focus on weight than any other nation and yet we seem to be the ones Mm -hmm. with the uh, well lowered you know there's there's an increase in weight trend in in both our populations which is interesting and food environment will play a part of that but there's also uh well apparently a decrease in in health that's what we're told right so therefore everything becomes weight centric mm-hmm. because those two must be connected and exactly. there wasn't you know just as you said like our the, the certification that we did together was a great certification we were taught to take the individual into account to do no harm to um work with them and to embrace the science as well as the individual experience and we were taught a little bit of soft skills in terms of consultation and you know managing a client but and, and we were taught great science, uh, uh, you know, away from a lot of myths that perpetuate the industry. On top of that, though, yeah. distinctly every, mo- uh, you know, module I could think of, you know, be it sports, com- you know, sport performance or making weight for a weight-centered sport or, um, you know, there was a whole module on fat loss. It was all about mm-hmm. determining someone's total daily energy intake understanding where their calories would need to be based on their goal and then facilitating a plan that revolved around calories, be that tracking or non-tracking, Yeah, you know? And even though we were taught about non-tracking approaches, it was geared towards providing Mm -hmm. them the right amount of calories for a certain goal. It wasn't about getting into that, that calorie deficit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Or, or, or if they were gaining muscle or performance about maintaining their calories, it wasn't about mm-hmm. helping that person listen to their body and understanding understanding energy flux and output as a scientific model, but then being able to apply that to one's knowledge and intuition, which is very much what intuitive eating talks about. Right. And to your question of how my coaching's changed, for me, everything was calorie focused. You know, uh, when I before that course, during that course, after that course, it was just all focused on calories. And even if I had someone who said that they didn't want to track calories, 
it'd be a case of, well, you know, well, then let's look at like meal swaps or example meal plans, or let's look at like high carb days and low carb days. Or, you know, it was, mm-hmm. it was a case of like, oh, yeah, okay. I understand you don't want to track, but how else am I going to work with you if you're not tracking? Like how else can we keep a monitor of these things? Because again, the outcome was weight centric or measurement based or whatever. It was rarely mm-hmm. subjective health. It was very much a case of we need to change your weight. You're paying me to do that. We need to be able to see changes weekly or at least fortnightly. Otherwise, you're not going to stay because that's what you've been sold into because that's what I'm marketing. And everything was about micromanaging that person's intake, which if if anything gets ridiculously stressful after a time. And like any coach, you're going to have successful clients in that regard. And then you're also going to get people that don't gel with the approach as such. But I found that there were more and more people that were not maybe getting the results that they would like, even if they were perfectly adherent or whatever, as well as I saw the <clears throat> the ups and downs in my own consistency of my nutrition based on like a tracking approach and a non-tracking approach. And my own relationship with food was very much focused on weights and everything else. And I started to think there surely must be, you know, there must be a way out of being kind of constantly focused on my food all the time or constantly focused on my calories and macros all the time. And I didn't really know what that was until I did mm-hmm. my latest certification, which was effectively kind of two back to back because it was from the same provider, but they ended up remodeling it and upgrading it as I was doing it. So then they offered me it again for free as the first intake of the new mm-hmm. version, which was which was fantastic. And that's when I first started to learn about disordered eating and interoception and intuitive eating. And, you know, as I'm learning these different things and like, you know, like a lack of self-compassion and, and all of the, you know, honoring emotions with, with things that are outside of food. And I was like, all of these things, they were just light bulbs pinging off in my head. Like, oh my word, you know, like this disordered eating is clearly why I was so inconsistent with my own food approach. and okay, yeah, I had a relationship with exercise and nutrition that I felt were cancelling each other out. You know, it's I could see where I was resonating with this material. And as I went through that material, I was still going through my own values as a coach of, okay, yeah, but I still want to help people like lose weight or lose fat or or what have you. And thinking, how can I kind of blend the approaches? But the more that I've gone through the research and the reading of different materials around intuitive eating and health at every size, the more I can see how even putting a goal of weight loss or fat loss onto something can give someone the, not necessarily the wrong intentions, but the wrong thing to focus on. And they still are all or nothing. You know, they'll be all or nothing with their food habits or their exercise habits because they're trying to see this change all the time rather than embracing Mm -hmm. a a health-based approach, which is a case, more a case of behaviors and an attitude and a mindset which is sustainable and in your control rather than something that you know for a lot of people you know it's not in our control is it we can train a certain way and eat right. a certain way but that's not going to force our body to do a certain thing and that's that fallacy of linear thinking as well as i want to look like that person which a lot of the public fall prey to but they only fall prey to that because that's exactly mm-hmm. how fitness is marketed it's marketed by people that look a certain way that say hey do my plan and you will look like this yeah. Yeah. It's really that intent that you talked about, you know, when, when you have that intent there 
for uh, when your your goal is to shrink your body or to get leaner or whatever the case may be, it's really easy to get you can tell yourself that okay, I'm just going to focus on health and how I feel, but then when you have that other goal in the picture, it tends to pull us away and then we start to like with intuitive eating as you probably found, it's really easy, okay, well, I I could do all these intuitive eating things and these these principles and still try and lose weight. Um because you know hunger and fullness so i'll just i'll just make sure i'm not overfull i'll just maybe i'll eat to 80% fullness and that'll get mm-hmm. me in a calorie deficit and all of these little things start to come in and it starts to pull us away from from really working through those principles that will over the long term really contribute to our overall health and our relationship with food and uh and and all of those kinds of things and i i still remember and you, and you probably do too the um you know the the head of that program that we went through one of the comments that, that i remember him making about fat loss was that um in, in many cases it's it's good to try and diet people with as few calories as is tolerable mm. so it's this approach where you're, um, I, I don't know if you remember hearing that, but I, that's yeah, always yeah. stuck with me. And so I remember like as fast as possible. I, I have it, used get it done quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, it wasn't a, a one size fits all thing, but I remember that that was a, a common recommendation. And so for one person that might be, you know, X amount of a calorie deficit. And for another person, they may be able to tolerate a larger one, but it was mm. that the goal was was to get them to eat as as little as they could and still kind of make it through life. And one of the things that I always appreciated with intuitive eating and a weight neutral approach is a shift in in providing enough for us, not trying to get as low as we can, but make sure that we're providing enough that mm-hmm. adequately fueling our body and, and that kind of thing. And it, it's a very different um, shift in in perspective as as you were talking about there. A hundred percent right. And and you know, as we've both said, we don't want to bash like our previous certification because the beliefs yeah. were held there for the reasons of, you know, our, our entire nations having this belief of like, you know, weight is inextricably linked to health. And I do find it interesting mm-hmm. looking back at the inconsistency in your approach to research where like, oh yeah, okay, well, artificial sweeteners are only associated with cancer. They don't inexplicably cause it. So therefore we can't like, we can't, you know, vilify those or whatever. Whereas weight is only mm-hmm. associated with negative outco- outcomes. Yet it's taken as if like, you know, you're, they are obviously taught to us about the, the pitfalls of BMI and the more importance of body fat and, and muscle right. mass and all the rest right. of it. And, yeah. and we looked at, you know, we had a whole module, a whole lesson, didn't we, on body composition methods. But there is still that connection to a higher body weight equaling comorbidities. And so I found that very interesting looking back. Right. And, and you know, it's important we point out that if, if somebody finds joy in that and that's, yeah. and they're able to navigate life and, and it doesn't impact them negatively, more power to them. Um, yeah. But I think that for m- most of us and many of us, um, and, and certainly a lot of people who have have definitely struggled with, uh, especially the the weight stigma out there, maybe their entire life or their entire adult life, maybe things that have gone back to their childhood that impacted their relationship with food. Those kinds of things can be extremely unhealthy from a mental um, and psychological standpoint, even social and, and economic and I mean, all the facets of health that, that we see out there. And so, um, it sounds like that's, 
seeing the the negative impact is very much what drove me to this particular approach. And I think that mm. it sounds like that's kind of what has driven you to that approach too. Like me personally, I don't find any joy in helping someone get a six pack. You know, no. I, I have the capabilities, the knowledge. I can I can certainly coach someone to get it, but mm. it's not I, I've never seen someone get there in a particularly healthy way, I guess. Um, not no. that it's never happened, but it, in general, it usually is very unhealthy, unsustainable. And from my own personal experience, I can speak to the fact that I know you, you talk about this on social media all the time. In fact, recently you showed us yourself a picture in a six pack where you thought you still needed to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Um, but those, you know, we go back and we, we, it, it seems like the leaner we get, the more we start to nitpick the, the, uh, every little thing even more. And so, yeah, I'm kind of rambling off here on a tangent, but yeah, it just it negatively impacts our body image in so many ways when we are really focused on that weight centered uh, approach. Yeah. I think like, as you mentioned, if someone wants to do something and have the, has the ability to do something all, all power to them. But as you mentioned, there's, there's certain mm-hmm. downsides and, and and trade-offs that we have to be made aware of and we also need to remember that right. having a certain aesthetic goal won't bring us necessarily what we think it might bring us and that that's i think the point and as you mentioned about i don't find pleasure in giving people six packs like no neither do i and then that was a big change for me yeah. when i first moved away from coaching um crossfitters uh exclusively because that was my first sort of niched audience was was kind of helping Mike tagline was like i you know help crossfitters get lean without eating clean and it was very much helping people who were mm-hmm. already fit effectively try to reveal their six packs and and for me I've, yeah. I've always been much more passionate about helping people's relationship with food and their health and at first i thought okay i'll help you know larger people drop body fat because again i had a connection mm-hmm. between weight and health particularly because of something that happened with my family um where my father passed away when I was just 16 from a heart attack and, and he was a bigger guy, you know, but always was, you know, like even when he was my age and, and playing rugby and things, he was a a larger guy, but he had put on some more body weight as he had got older. He'd also, but he had also developed a lifestyle that was very stressful, you know, didn't get enough sleep, smoked like a chimney, didn't really exercise outside of the weekly village cricket game in which Mm -hmm. he, kept wicket so for you know you your guys will have no idea unless they have some random association with cricket but effectively it's the person <laughs> who stands behind with the big gloves on and tries to catch the ball so he's literally stationary the whole time apart from yeah like in our our american back. baseball it would be the catcher yeah yeah he just i was a catcher i sat back there <laughs> squatted down and didn't run that's around all he did so, yeah yeah so he <laughs> yeah. his legs would get a hell of a workout being kind of half crouched down all the time but that that was yeah. it you know, and, and, and now that I know more, I can see, right, okay, my dad didn't pass away because of his weight. He passed away because of his lifestyle. And actually, right. when, he did, when he did pass away, he was actually quite slim. But again, and this is another reason not to compliment weight loss, is he lost a lot of weight drastically. And everyone was like, oh, my God, Paul, you know, you've lost loads of weight, blah, blah, blah. But he lost weight because he had a, an overactive thyroid. And that remained undiagnosed for a long time, which also put a lot of pressure on his weakened heart. So... As I can look yeah. back in that retrospectively, I can see that my passion is helping people have a healthy lifestyle and having a great relationship mm-hmm. with food and exercise. And I think pushing that forward as a message also helps people apply a more infinite thinking pattern towards their health and fitness rather than a very finite goal 
of losing weight, which can be very much like, I'll do this short-term plan for a short-term period. I'll get that goal. I'll be happy. And then I'll move on. But going back to my original point, losing that body fat isn't going to make you happier. It might make you a little bit more confident, but it might not. You might still have those body image hangups and that lack of confidence because it wasn't about your body. It's about something deeper. And that's what that post is about when I, you know, show that picture of me on the ski erg. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. my sense of confidence was in me weighing a certain amount. And I thought, well, I'm not lean yet because I'm not weighing that amount. And and it's those kind mm-hmm. of thinking patterns that won't get solved with just losing more weight. Yeah, and often it's temporary. So even if you do feel better about yourself or you feel more confident, it's mm-hmm. it's almost always temporary. Even if you yes. can somehow sustain it for a period of time, even while you're in that that state, which is you know, really 99% of the time, it's just not sustainable for most of us. So no. um, I remember when I did one of those, those bodybuilding.com transformation challenges years back, uh, I got really lean, you know, like visible veins on my abs and everything, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of lean. And at first I was like, man, check me out. I got the spray tan, took the pictures, did the whole, you know, all the lighting and yeah. all that did that. And then, um, even before I started to regain the, the, the weight that I had lost, I started to like find the flaws that I didn't notice at first. I'm like, Oh wait, there's still a little fat around my navel. You know? Oh, Oh wait, there's still a little around here. Oh, oh, now, you know, my arms look really skinny because I'm so lean now. And then I'd put on clothes and, you know, you, you know that you've probably experienced that too. Once you are get really lean, you look mm. very small in your, in your clothes. It kind of almost hang off of you. So now you start to get self-conscious about that aspect. Mm. And it's just kind of this never ending cycle that I found. And, and, um, I guess that, that actually brings us to kind of one of the other things that I thought. Um, that I really wanted to talk to you about too, was, you know, like myself, you've been really directing a lot of your messaging toward men. And Mm. I'd love to hear your thoughts on intuitive eating and weight neutral coaching kind of when working with men in particular. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I want to be um, more of a, you know, a figure within that space. Like as you and I've chatted about, I think a lot of people who are um, in the, realm of intuitive eating counselors are often female and you do have yeah. then that that spectrum of them being in smaller bodies and, and bigger bodies i think the ones in bigger bodies are usually more body image advocates and then the ones in smaller bodies are very much like relationship with food and intuitive eating that's just my experience mm-hmm. of what i've seen and of course right. my pocket yeah. of the internet will be very small compared to everyone who's on the internet so <laughs> if anyone has a different experience yeah. you know just let me know but when i look at intuitive eating and compassionate coaching and health at every size and then look for men in the space. I don't see many. I don't see many at all. And well, I can, um, I can tell you right now in the, in the certified intuitive eating counselors and facilitators, Facebook group, uh, there's about a thousand people in there and other professionals that have been certified like myself. And Mm. I am the only man that comments in there that that ever wow. that I have seen. Now, I'm not saying there aren't any others in there, but <laughs> that gives you an idea of the uh, the the way the representation, I guess. Yeah, it's interesting, that isn't it? And I think that there's something to be said with mm-hmm. the way that men receive information, you know, and the language that resonates mainly with them. Because even now, like I work with quite a few blokes and have worked with them in the past, and but the majority of my 
coaching cohort is women. And I know I don't niche towards one or the other, but when I try to talk about body image and things like that, I do try to talk about it as like my experience as well as, you know, it's okay for lads to talk about this too, particularly mental health as Mm -hmm. well, because I think that it does need to be out there more often. And I think that with, with men, it's a case of, you know, because when I was reading the body image book for boys, of course, the, you know, the author of which was on your show, when we talk about certain goals, it's more women who do diets and want to be thinner and smaller, whereas it's men who want to be like lean and strong and ripped. And I think mm-hmm. there's an association with the language as well of, I feel like more men, even though they might not want to, are responding to quite harsh language and like you know like make sure that you like work hard and you know man up and try harder and be the best man that you can be and all the rest of it and then our messaging might seem a little bit too compassionate for that whereas Mm -hmm. actually if you spoke to blokes and said well actually i'm still going to hold you accountable i'm still going to help you be the best you know the best person that you can be but it's going to be from a place where you know, we actually look at what you want to achieve. It's going to be weight neutral. It's going to be about helping you eat like a normal guy and and you're still going to be able to get healthy. I think it's just, it's it's almost not as attractive to men as the whole like, yeah, come on guys, we're going to, we're going to go shoot things and we're going to be lean and ripped and strong and we're going to be men, you know, we're going to be men. Even though actually yeah. following an intuitive eating program, they'll be able to have beer and a burger in the, you know, at at the football game with their buddies. Whereas if they're following some guy's program on the net, they're there trying to plug it into my fitness pal or, you know, they're there with their turkey salad and it's like, you know, you're actually following a diet now, a team. And, And so it's just interesting how I think our messaging might pivot in terms of language to be able to reach more people because I think it's then showing them that this is what they would be looking for. When I've chatted to the lads who I've worked with and they said, Hey, you know, if you told me that I could never have to download a fitness, like a food tracking app ever again, and I actually can eat normally and I actually can end that constant, like anxiety of trying to be leaner and, and trying to do these programs, then that's, that's what I would be looking for. So I think it's just interesting the, the kind of language that's communicative and therefore that sort of female to male ratio that's in the space. Yeah, I think that is. It's, um, you know, as I've over this, really the entirety of this year, I've, I really decided kind of toward the end of last year to really focus my attention on on men in the space. And mm-hmm. and because I was seeing the the underrepresentation and I was also seeing that all of my clients literally were women that were coming to me, which nothing wrong with that. I really enjoy working with women too. But at the same time, there was this whole subset of the population that was being overlooked. And for Mm -hmm. me, it it was a couple of things. It was one that I, I, this is for men too, but also I was thinking more about, you know, if there are more men adopting this approach and talking about it and at least understanding it, even they can better support their their female partners and family members and those who may be going through um, different challenges than the than than a, a man might. So, uh, so I've really found that that's been it's been really helpful to to extremely to really niche my message toward men specifically, 
And as a result, now that's all of my clients are men, except for some families that I have where it's a husband and wife combination, um, sure. helping them with their children and that kind of thing. But, but yeah, that's, that's been really cool to see that start to really take off over the last, you know, over this, this year where now it's men that are coming to me. And so it's been a good validation, uh, of that, that idea that I thought, you know, I wonder what would happen if we had more men's voices in the space, if it would attract mm -hmm. men over. And I've had some really good responses from a number of them who came to me initially for weight loss and, and then, um, but they wanted something different. And mm -hmm. so as I presented this, presented the evidence, you know, talked with them about the facts, the science, the understanding that, and talked to them about their specific body image concerns. You know, when you're talking to women, you typically focus a bit more on the, the weight loss side, the smaller side, when you're talking about um, struggles and issues and those kinds of things that, that often come up when it's, as it relates to body image, but with guys, you know, we're talking about strength and, and muscle mass and those kinds of things. And so, yeah, it, it, it really is a very different approach. Well, you mentioned reading that book about body image for boys from Charlotte Markey, who was, as you mentioned mm -hmm. on my previous episode and, you know, the research in the body image area kind of came up alongside the eating disorder research. It's pretty, still very new. And at the time <coughs> that was yeah. when we thought eating disorders were for rich white women, skinny, and, and that outside of that, you know, people just didn't really have them. And so when you're talking about body image concerns with women and you're asking men those same questions, you know, it's easy for yeah. you to say, oh, well, guys don't struggle with this stuff. But when you start to ask them mm -hmm. the right questions, <laughs> then you start mm -hmm. to find out they actually do struggle with it just as much as women, just in a different way, as you kind of pointed out with the lean and strong and big, big, but not big because of body fat, big because of big muscles and you know, man, guy stuff mm -hmm. um, versus, you know, thin and, and, and lean kind of a thing. So um, yeah. Do you think that intuitive eating is well suited for most men or just a specific subset? And then also, since you've worked with a lot of athletes, how do you think it is suited for them? It's interesting that question about like, is it suitable for all men or just some men? Because I, I'm very interested in personality profiling and, the, and the, mm -hmm. those kind of psychosomatics with people as well. And I, and I was thinking about whether that being someone who's quite high, um, you know, for, 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 you know, just to help listeners maybe understand where I'm coming from. One of the biggest ones I've used is the DISC, the disc profile, where you've kind of got dominance, influence, steadiness. And I think the C is compassion or it might be, it might be something else. I might be butchering this now, but with, with my profile, I was very high influence. Mm -hmm. And then with a little bit of dominance and the other two, I wasn't really much of. And the dominance is what you would see in like salespeople and CEOs. And it's very much like, you know, pig headed discipline and very, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, go, go, go. And I want this and I, therefore I'm going to achieve it. And they're the type of people who would respond a lot to that kind of like authoritarian, authoritarian, uh, stance. And a lot of men do fit into that. Whereas I'm very high. I with a bit of D and I is more for like, you know, they, they are networkers and they make connections with people really well and they empathize really well with people as well. They can put themselves in other people's shoes really well. And that's why it was so interesting when I did it, because I was like, this is why I coach because that those are my skill sets. Yeah. And then I think to myself, you know, 
would this be would this be right for someone who was like high dominance, which is what where a lot of men would would put themselves? And I think it definitely could be, but it would, as you mentioned there about you know stating evidence and stating facts and stating research and stating the science, which would definitely be very interesting for like and for the SC types as well. Um, it's a case of I think it's it's communicating it in a way of look if you want to achieve certain health goals what you're doing isn't working and here are the reasons why like here are the reasons why you still think you need to kind of go back to that like boot camp instructor or that diet or that personal trainer or you know you feel like you need to be told what to do and have this like strict routine of food and energy and you know be the best but actually to be the best you need to learn how to listen to your body understand your goals and values and 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 work on those things from a place of listening to your body properly like and and i think then if you can spin it that way i definitely Mm -hmm. think it is for everyone it's just it's people's interpretation that probably stops them from trying it because of where they are you know personality wise and psychosomatically Mm -hmm. um in terms of for athletes to kind of answer that part of your question it's interesting because i still consult with people who do crossfit and i am a member of of a crossfit gym although i do my own programming mostly they asked me to do talks and presentations and calls with members as as a way to to help out and i have been doing so and it's interesting because i think that particularly for something like that which is very varied in its in its energy systems and strength the ability to tune into your body's needs while also having the understanding and knowledge of nutrition you know what the different macronutrients what role they play but also being able to tune into your body's hunger and appetite and think okay i've done a much longer workout today i'm going to need like more carbohydrates or i've done a lot of heavy lifting so i'm going to make sure i get my protein in but in a way that I enjoy and, you know, not forcing it down just to hit a number or micromanaging your calories. That's interesting because the CrossFit population have been, you know, they've been thrown into so many different fad diets in their timeline. At first it was paleo and clean eating. Then it was the zone diet, which was very prescriptive in terms of blocks. There have been periods where there have been, uh, you know, leading athletes in the space who have done keto or intermittent fasting or maybe a combination of it you know like some kind of like keto fasting and Mm -hmm. now there's a very large population of people that track calories and macros and that's because of certain companies that got very big in that space and because they're high achieving people who want peak performance they think i have to micromanage my intake in order to get the best results and so it's interesting to say no, well, you don't need to hit exactly the same amount of grams of protein every day and you don't need to hit the exact same calories every day. And actually, because your sport is very varied in nature, it makes sense not to. But there's that yeah. constant fear of not getting enough food or not eating right. And it's like, mm-hmm. we need to remove that idea of eating right. It's like, what does that even mean? Because they, you know, they feel guilty if it's off plan or not of a certain substance, or they've not hit a certain target, and it's like that in itself is providing you with more stress and anxiety and lower overall result and recovery than just eating intuitively. And it's hilarious because I chat to 
the best athlete in our gym is one of the coaches, really, really strong guy, really, really fit guy. And I was saying, Hey, like you've been really improving recently. What kind of things are going on for you? And he's like, Oh yeah, you know, like I've been so busy. I've not really had time to cook. So I've just been eating KFC and Subway and, you know, and, and, and McDonald's and things. I'm like, well, there you go. Like <laughs> my dog's saying hello. I was like, you're just saying, you're just getting a hell of a lot, hell of a lot of calories, a hell of a lot of carbs. But he's, but yeah. he's, he's not like overeating, you know, he's not like, he's not gorging on these things. He's choosing the menu items that he wants and eating them. And it's that same thing of like Usain Bolt eating chicken nuggets and things. It's like, you know, at the end of the day, your body will tell you what it needs if you listen to it and listen to it without guilt. And that's been where I've been trying to take all of my talks and mm -hmm. consultation calls with these people to say, how can we remove these external barriers and this external control that's adding just more pressure? And think about how can we take a step back and listen into your body and apply nutrition knowledge to listening mm -hmm. to get the best combination for you. That's interesting that you said that uh, that he's he's been doing really well with his performance and making gains and that kind of thing. And then he came back and was pointing out that his diet has been, you know, quote, not so great lately. Based, but mm. but it, it kind of underscores the the importance of adequate energy intake and and probably what happened over that period is that he was actually giving himself enough energy so that his body could recover and train harder and and do all of those things even if it wasn't the quote cleanest of of foods um it it just kind of underscores the importance just the, of of getting enough food and and i think that's something that dieting and and these bad diets often um uh, they overlook the the importance of that and and the the strength really of that approach of getting it you know, focusing our attention on enough especially if we're an athlete getting enough rather mm -hmm. than not getting too much because i think the the yeah. focus in in typical health and fitness is don't get too much and so we're always mm -hmm. thinking i need to make sure i don't get too much but in reality that, that shift in perspective yeah. can be really powerful I think so. And I think that's, and I was just going to, you know, make sure I caveat that. Obviously this person is an athlete who's training several hours a day and yeah. he's also working as a coach. <laughs> so he's on his feet a lot, you know, his, his energy output right. is very, very high. And uh, again, we can then question the whole, like what's nutritious foods because those foods do have nutrients mm -hmm. within them. They're just coming at a higher energy cost and he's still eating fruits and vegetables. So for him, like that's working great for everyone else. We probably wouldn't recommend having, you know, highly fried foods and things at every meal, just yeah. purely because of their, you know, their overall activity and, and the, the resilience of their body and all the rest of it. And it's, but you made a good point on, I think a lot of people under eat because they're trying to be good. And that mm -hmm. then leads to that inconsistency and that sabotage where they just have uncontrollable cravings or uncontrollable hunger or really low energy. And I see that a lot with people who are very passionate about CrossFit because they're going in for an hour of intense activity and they're also then, you know, doing their jobs and being parents and doing all the rest of the things that they do. But because they're trying to be good with their food, they're just under eating mm -hmm. and it's leading to very high levels of cravings, it's leading to inconsistency and sabotage mode. And those were the questions I got all the time. Like, and I still do, you know, how can I be consistent? How can I stay on track? How can I not? you know, how can I not crave chocolate anymore? And it's like, well, the answer is not what you want to hear. But yeah. the previous version of me was like, well, well, you know, just track your macros and then you'll be able to eat whatever you want as long as they fit. But then again, that's just another, yeah. it's another cage upon your eating, which psychologically implies restriction, which of course we know can lead to negative outcomes, both, you know, 
appetite wise as well as physically. So it's interesting to flip that script and say, well, actually, you probably need to eat more of the foods that you're not allowing yourself to eat. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that different, that difference in, in the approach with that, you know, where, where the counting calories and that kind of approach is, oh, well, it's simple. Just if it fits your macros, eat it. If it doesn't, then don't eat it. And, and, you know, logically that makes sense, but that's not how the human body works. And it's not how it's designed to work. It's clear that with all the homeostatic mechanisms that we have that drive hunger and then the satiety mechanisms to say, Hey, you know, we've had enough. So that drive then decreases. And, and then if we aren't eating enough, it dials back our, our non-exercise activity that we're, that we um, engage in, which can make us feel maybe more tired. So the body is protecting itself. It's saying, well, you didn't give me enough energy, so I'm going to make you feel a little more tired. And I'm an, and, yeah. and that way you won't move so much. And it, and it's just this, this cycle. And, and then, but, but the typical kind of approach that's used and that's always promoted is, well, you just need to have more discipline. You need to want it. You, what's your mm. why? Uh, if you, you know, mm. get that kind mm. of a thing it, as if that can overcome all of these biological drives in the body. And it can for a while. And that's why we see these 12 week programs, people getting good results. But then after the 12 weeks, it's like, you, you know, you, you just can't sustain it um, typically. And again, it's, there's exceptions. And this goes back to the whole thing that, intuitive eating focuses on which is that genetic blueprint that we all have where which makes our bodies mm. you know kind of na- go toward different sizes and shapes and and levels of muscle mass and all of those those kinds of things 100% so, um, yeah 100% and it's it's a good point that jeff because you know that that idea of yeah you might be able to get those results in 8 to 12 weeks but actually the people who are advertising those are people who live a different lifestyle mm-hmm. to the people they're selling it to. You know, they're incredibly active people. They've always been lean. So they'll sit at a leaner state than most people anyway, because there is a genetic, you know, factor mm-hmm. to that. And then these people are putting themselves on basically semi-starvation diets. And then if their results fade, you know, they're told that, well, it's because you haven't stuck to the plan or you haven't reverse dieted well enough. And therefore you've, you know, you've wrecked your own metabolism. It's your fault. It's not worked. And it's just, it's just, you know, not, not right. It's not fair. Um, and, and not correct, you know, not scientifically correct. Um, Mm -hmm. because as you said, your body's going to respond to those, those drastic changes in energy intake over time by slowing you down making you more efficient at exercise. You know, your non-exercise activity is going to drop. Even if you're trying to keep your steps up, you're going to feel more fatigued. You're going to feel more irritable. You're going to feel more hungry. You're going to feel more cravings. And that's all because of the semi-starvation. It's not the mm-hmm. fact that you need to want it more or try harder. And that that rhetoric, in my opinion, definitely needs to die, particularly for guys, because it yeah. is that same messaging of like, yeah, come on, man up, try harder, want it more, mm-hmm. be the leader that you can be, be the role model that you want to be, you know, like, and I see some really despicable advertising to blokes, you know, around fit health and fitness. I saw one the other day that was like, you know, if you've got low energy, that's your fault. If you've got bad knees, that's your fault. If you've got, you know, if you're sleeping like rubbish, it's your fault. And it, and it's like this health and fitness coach is like, I can help you solve these things. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm, kind of tempted to say that the the bloke who 
has low energy and bad knees probably does because he's been chewed up and spat out by different diets himself and has done high intensity interval training for too long because he's been told he has to by some douche canoe who is claiming to try and help him improve his health. Right. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate that we see that. And you know, uh, that, that name toxic masculinity, I, I don't really like that, but, but it does somewhat describe that, that, tendency that that we see there where it's kind of like this is how you know if if you're a man then you can you should be having the discipline and having the determination and having the strength to get through this and you know you may not feel like going to the gym but you need to man up and go just like you were talking about there and that that uh like you think about the 75 hard program you know it's basically this 75 days workout seven days a week twice a day if you miss a workout you have to start over Pick a diet. They don't even care what they just say. Yeah. Pick a diet and stick to it. No cheat days for seventy five days. Yeah. And if you cheat once, you know, if you eat a donut and that wasn't on your diet, then don't start over again. And it's just that that whole um, attitude and that mentality that so many guys are hearing. And there's something mm-hmm. to be said, obviously, for determination and self discipline and strength and all of those things. But I kind of think back to my own dad, who was not a physically strong person. He had a lot of health issues, uh, heart issues and stuff early on. Um, he wasn't a loud person. He wasn't a, uh, you know, he, he wasn't an aggressive person, but he was incredibly strong and he was a, he was a a nurturer very much and cared for other people. And, but he was Mm -hmm. incredibly strong and incredibly manly and masculine in that sense. And everybody who knew him would say that about him, even though, from the outside, people wouldn't have looked to him as the epitome epitome of a man. You know, not he wasn't a David Goggins type guy or anything like that. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's just really one of the things that I've really tried to do is help guys to understand. And I know you do this, too, in your messaging, help guys understand that it's OK to be vulnerable. It's OK to to um, to take a different approach that is about self-care. Self-care is not just a girl thing. It's not getting your nails done. It's taking care of your body probably heard my dog shaking back there too um that kind of a thing and so uh yeah so one thing that that we were planning to talk about here that i'd like to kind of wrap things up with was we're talking kind of about body image and um in particular how do you address and deal with and coach um like with men there's this common goal of building muscle or building strength and and putting on muscle mass. Do you see that as kind of a similar pursuit to fat loss? Um, how, maybe how do, how's it different? Do you see it as diet culture to have a goal of building muscle mass? I mean, strength was probably a little bit different because that's sort of an objective mm. measure of yeah. progress. But it's kind of a weird thing. And I know we've kind of talked back and forth some about this um, just offline. <coughs> it's, it's a really interesting topic. <laughs> It is, yeah, because I think there's a there's a tendency to overuse the phrase diet culture by some people, mm-hmm. and there's a tendency to mistake like what is actual scientific evidence versus what is diet culture. And I think there's mm-hmm. definitely a middle ground to be found between people who are looking to um, improve their health and well-being without it needing to be about diet culture. And I think strength and muscle tissue. Uh, is a difficult one, right? Because, you know, if you've got that finite goal 
I, I just love the comparison of the infinite game and the finite game, right? If you've got this finite goal of trying to pack on muscle in a short space of time, you're going to be more likely to fall for these trends or these these approaches that don't work or re- rely on very strict methods. You know, something like mm-hmm. doing 75 hard and trying to do two strength sessions a day and then focusing on a very high like protein diet and, and being very all or nothing with it. That would be mm-hmm. what I would tend towards being leaning towards diet culture. Whereas if someone said to me like, Hey, you know, I want to get stronger and improve my fitness. I'd be like, fantastic. I think that's a great goal. And especially if you genuinely love lifting and you love it, li- because mm-hmm. like I genuinely love lifting weights, you know, it's why. Yeah, me too. I, I, I don't do CrossFit anymore because I'm not a massive fan of being out of breath. I'm someone who enjoys aerobic activity because I can keep my heart rate under control and I can do it. And I'm kind of built for that. And I love lifting weights because again, like I'm a bigger bloke and I like being strong and I like doing that in the gym, but I took away any goals of like having a certain physique or muscle size, or even like a certain, like, I want to hit X goal of like my snatch or my clean and jerk or my, my back squat. It was just a case of, I want to go to the gym. I want to lift weights and I want to really enjoy it. And as a result of that, you know, I pack muscle mass on and I get stronger. And I have to Mm -hmm. accept my privilege there in that I am of the genetic predisposition who puts on muscle mass quickly and and easier than other people. And I have my, Mm -hmm. you know, my parents, my dad to thank for that because he was the same. Yeah. And my, and my granddad, you know, my dad, my mum's dad was a blacksmith. So it's just like a, you know, like a bear of the man. (laughs) Like I come from a, a, a lineage of like bigger guys, you know? So it's like, and, and that in turn has helped my body image because I'm like, I can really hang my hat on those things that I know I really love, right? And so, like, I had a hang-up about body fat for years and years and years, and it took me a long time to accept where I'm at with that. And Mm -hmm. I think deciding on parts of your body that you really love is part of that body acceptance, right? And so I think Mm -hmm. the more people I work with, actually, I want to talk to them about, hey, how can we give you a great relationship with food where you eat intuitively, you know, you learn to trust your body and no longer have to rely on external measures, be that a food plan or an app or, or whatever, you know, guy or girl, because guys will do it too. You know, they'll say, give me a meal plan, whatever. Like they won't say I'll do a diet, but they'll say, give me a meal plan. Again, like that's the language we use. And, you know, you don't need to do that anymore. And let's work on your health and fitness. And if you want to get strong in the gym, Let's focus on getting strong. Let's focus on pairing that love of like activity to like new movements and like make it exciting and enjoyable. Let's learn how to do lifting in certain ways and certain movements. And as a result of that, they'll pack on muscle mass, but it doesn't need to be about gaining muscle mass. Right. So I think it's the intention behind the effort, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the way that I've presented it to the guys that have come to me asking about that. You know, they're, uh, yeah. a, a lot of them are sick of dieting. They're sick of trying to change mm-hmm. their body size, but they're like, you know, in the back of my mind, I, I, I do kind of wish I was a little leaner and I wish I had a little more muscle mass. And I said, well, how has it worked for you so far up to this point, focusing on the goals rather than what would support that, assuming your body responds? And you know, mm-hmm. would you be satisfied if you just got stronger? And oftentimes they, as they start to really dig deeper and think about that a bit more, they start to realize, yeah, you know, it, that would certainly be something that, that would make me feel good is to in, increase the amount of weight that I'm lifting in the gym. And, and those are things that we can, 
we can see that don't involve changing our the size of our body, but often the size of our body changes as a result. So, you know, with the muscle mass, as an example, you know, when we get stronger, mm-hmm. often our muscles grow. My body doesn't grow muscle mass very, very well, regardless. Um, you know, I can increase my strength and it just doesn't change much. And so that's just sort of my genetic predisposition <laughs> there. But, um, but yeah, and focusing on, on the benefits of those, those activities that support it can be really, um, really beneficial and, and kind of help shift our, our focus to things that we have much more control over. Uh, you Absolutely. know, and, and yeah, like, like doing these different activities and that kind of thing. And it, for me anyway, I know I've found a lot more joy in my own training when I found, when I started doing ninja training, where it was an activity mm. that was basically like going to a playground in, in a sense, yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's, and, and I still enjoy lifting weights. I just don't lift weights as much. I, I do some of that and I do the ninja stuff. Well, once my shoulder is better, but uh, all of those kinds of things um, I just found is just made me enjoy life more. And as a result, yeah, I feel better in general. Um, right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Fabulous. Well, it's been, yeah. it, it's been really great talking to you about these things. Um, where can people find you? Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I've really enjoyed the conversation so much so that I can't believe that, you know, it's already been just under a, oh, I know. Of our, our conversation <laughs> of us chatting. Yeah. So as, as you mentioned, you know, my, my Instagram handle is where I put most of my content, um, which is just at my name, which is Johnny Landles. I'm sure you'll provide a link for it in the notes so people don't have to try and spell my last, my last name. Um, because that's the constant bane of my life is people trying to spell that correctly. Um, but you know, I, I've also got my own podcast, which is delivered slightly differently and that it's, it's small bite-sized chunks of content every day. If you were to look at the backlog of episodes, you'd see a lot of fat loss content, but you'd also see a lot of scientific content because I did it alongside, you know, doing my last nutrition certification. So there's a lot about like hydration and vitamins and minerals and things. Whereas right now it's very much a case of intuitive eating mindset and you know, functional fitness and performance. So that's what people will find when they tune in now. And I occasionally have a guest on a Friday, like you, for example, have been on it. <clears throat> but that's, I'm not as consistent with my weekly guests. Yeah. I'll make sure to include those links. And again, thank you for joining me. Look forward to continuing to stay in contact with you.